And now we come to Jonah. And this is, if you could see that, that's where we left Jonah last week. If you see this, this is Jonah sinking into the calm sea now, right? Did the sea calm? But remember, Jonah got thrown overboard wishing to what? Die. He said, throw me overboard. He's wanting to probably, he, he wants to die. I, I believe that. He wants to die. He's like, it's my fault. Throw me over. And that's where we left him last week, right? The sailors threw him overboard and he's the calm sea. The sailors praise God. They fear God. And now Jonah is just sinking, sinking, sinking. That's what I picture. And I'm getting the, the pictures on the screen are coming from the word for word Bible comic from the NIV. And this is where Jonah is left from last week. And now we get to Jonah chapter 2. Okay? Or at the end of chapter 1 to chapter 2. Now, if you can see the pictures, I hope it's okay if you can kind of follow along here. Now, the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and He answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very hearts of the sea, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple." The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, And it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Pray with me today. God, we come to You humbly. Come to You ready to hear from You and Your Word today. Thank You for the book of Jonah I pray that today we would learn lessons that we can take with us knowing that You are the One who is in heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Salvation comes from You, Lord. Help us to remember that. God, I think of those who can't be with us today for whatever reason, I pray for them as they Continue and start their week. Give them strength. Give them courage. Give them peace and rest. And just thank You for this time. Thank You for those 
that are hearing this message, including myself today. Please speak to us, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now we made it to the most famous part of Jonah. The most talked about part of the story of Jonah, which is the huge fish. The whale, you might see. Or maybe even a shark, as some people say. We have read books about Jonah and the whale. Has anybody read a book? I know I mentioned it last week, maybe. Have you read a book about Jonah and the whale? Have you watched a movie or a show about Jonah and the whale? If, you're, if you've ever watched Veggie Tales, that's what one of them is. One preacher said we've got to get the Veggie Tale mentality out of our mind as we come to Scripture. But we've read and watched Jonah and the whale or the huge fish. That's the most famous part of Jonah. We've heard it read aloud. This morning, we heard 11 of the 48 verses in the book of Jonah. We read 11 of them today. So out of the 48 verses in the entire book, three of them mention a huge fish. How many? Three verses out of 48 verses mention a fish, and that's the most talked about, most famous thing. If you say Jonah to anybody, they're probably going to say, oh, the whale. It's only three verses out of 48. That's one-sixteenth of the book, 0.06% of the entire book is about the huge fish. And what do most people talk about? The fish. So today, it's no fish story. We talked about last week, it's not a fairy tale, right? It's a true story. We believe that. I believe that. It happened. This week, it's no fish story. It's not about a fish. There's more to it than just a fish. So when we talk about Jonah with people and they're like, oh, the whale, yeah, we can say, yeah, three verses out of 48. Let's go to something else that's more important than a fish. Let's talk about the prophet or the sailors or God who is the one in control. So let's take a look at Jonah chapter 1, verse 17 through 2, 10. So here's the outline we're going to cover. You have verse 17 of chapter 1. The Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. Then you have Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. And then the Lord commanded the fish to vomit Jonah onto dry land. That's what our outline looks like today. That's what we're going to cover. The Lord provided a fish. Jonah prays in the fish. And then Jonah, or the Lord says, hey fish, you can vomit Jonah out now. That's where we're going today. Okay, Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. Look what it says. The Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. Who provided the fish? The Lord. So who's in control? The Lord. Remember, the Lord gave a word to Jonah in chapter 1, right? Right at the start. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. The wickedness has come up. And then what did Jonah do? He tried to get away. He got on a boat at Joppa, headed to Tarshish. He paid the fare, got below the deck. And what did the Lord do in chapter 1, verse 4? The Lord sent a great wind, which caused a violent storm. The Lord sent that wind. Okay? It didn't just happen by chance. 
who sent it? The Lord. And now you have the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. So if you're taking notes, you can just write that down. Probably everything you read in the scripture, you can say the Lord's in control. I think you can remember that. Who's in control? Let's say that a little louder. I want the whole Vestaberg community to hear us. Who's in control? The Lord's in control. And you can see that throughout the whole Jonah story. He sent a wind in chapter 1, and now he's provided a fish to swallow Jonah that just got thrown overboard. Now verse 1 of chapter 2. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. Jonah prays from inside the fish's belly. And he prays to the Lord. And it doesn't just say praise to the Lord. It says praise to the Lord, His God. He has some sort of personal relationship with God. If you say something is yours, what does that mean? It belongs to you. you have some, that it, it, it means something to you, right? This is my Bible, or this is my paper, this is my book. It, I have possession of it. If I say, Kelsey is my wife, that's a relationship. It's my wife. Nobody else's wife. It's my wife. There's a relationship there. And Jonah says, or it says, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He knows God. He has experienced God. He's trying to run away from God, yes. But he knows who God is. And something interesting as you're... If you study Scripture, there's interesting things like you have found out from me talking to you every Sunday. There's some interesting things every time I read Scripture. And this is very interesting because hear it and you'll be like, that is powerful. Watch this. So, chapter 1, verse 17. You see the word fish, right? Everybody see the word fish? In chapter 1, verse 17. That fish in Hebrew language is the masculine form of fish. Okay? Go to chapter 2, verse 1. What's that? You see the word fish? Same fish, right? It is the same fish, right? But in the Hebrew language, that fish is a feminine word. So the fish masculine in chapter 1, verse 17, he provided this fish, the masculine form of the fish. And where did Jonah go? It's swallowed, right? And when we think of masculine belly, it's the stomach, okay? Destruction. Food goes down there and he's destroyed, right? What about a, if it's talking about a feminine belly fish? We're talking about the feminine fish. Now, what is... In the Bible, what word do they use for that feminine section of the belly? The womb. Now think about that. He's swallowed by the fish, masculine fish, to be what? Destroyed. He wants to die, right? But what does he go down into where he's praying? The, the womb part. And what happens in the womb? What happens in the womb? The baby's being what? Developed. It starts small and all of a sudden there's a full-grown baby coming out of the womb. It's being developed. What a picture that is. 
Jonah gets swallowed by the masculine form fish, wants to be destroyed, but where does Jesus or where does God put him at? The womb. To be what? Developed. To be uh, refined, to be pricked, to be prodded, whatever you want to call it. To be ready to do what? We'll see that, but isn't that kind of interesting how the Hebrew language has... We have fish and we're like, okay, that's the same fish. But Hebrew language is a little different. Gives you a picture of um, Jonah being in a womb of the fish. That's just cool to me. So Jonah prays to God. Now, he's not praying to some unknown God, right? Remember the sailors, when the storm came, they were praying to their God saying, help us. And then they find out Jonah's the one that's his fault. And they're like, okay, what do we got to do to you, Jonah? They throw him overboard. Then the sailors are greatly fearing the one true God. Now Jonah is praying to that God, the one who made heaven and earth, or who made the dry land and the sea. And then he prays this prayer, which to me, when I read this prayer, probably for, I don't know what time in my life that I've read Jonah, but it brought me to this. I read through the prayer and I was like, I can only think of one verse in the Bible that helps me know what Jonah's going through, and it's Psalm 23, verse 4, where it talks about the darkest valley, the valley of the shadow of death. And here's a question for you. If we're talking about the darkest valley or the valley of the shadow of death, is not this the time we usually cry out to God for the most help? Isn't it? When we find ourselves in the darkest valley of our lives, who do we usually cry out to? God. I don't care who you are, if you don't even know God, and you're in the darkest valley, you are crying out to God. We see that. I see that in the world today. When something happens, who do they go to? Let's pause for prayer. Let's do whatever we got to call on this God. I see it. We want God to do something. And I think Jonah wants God to do something. He remembers the Lord. But he's calling to God in the darkest valley. Now look at, let's go through this a little bit. In my distress, I called to the Lord. He answered me. So the darkest valley is calling out to God. God answers him. From the deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. You listened to my cry. Now some translations say realm of the dead or Sheol. Anybody have that word? Sheol? This is a place of no return. That's what that word basically means. It's like there's no hope of coming back. And he says that. You hurled me into the depths. Oh, that's an interesting thing too. Who hurled Jonah into the sea? Who hurled Jonah into the sea? No. God hurled him into the sea. Did you, did you catch that? You, God, hurled me into the sea. He's not even talking about the sailors now. He's talking about you did that, God. Into the heart, very heart of the seas. The current swirled about me. I can't even imagine what's going on. Your waves breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. So he's, Jonah kind of gets a glimpse of hope there. He's like, I'm going to look again to your holy temple. 
The waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. So I can just picture him going down and down and down and down. It's getting darker. I haven't been dark in the sea. I know one person in this building has probably been deeper than anybody else in the sea. Right, Bill? You've been deep. Does it get darker as you go down? Do you ever carry a light with you? Okay. So Jonah's going from, remember, he's thrown overboard and he's sinking into the sea. I don't even, I don't think Jonah knows it's a calm sea. Okay. I know the Lord, he said the Lord, the calm's, the sea's going to be calm, but I don't think he notices. He's just sinking down and down. And I don't know when the fish comes either. So how quickly the fish came. That doesn't tell us, okay? So he's sinking into the sea. He's praying this. He probably doesn't even know he's in a fish. That's what I think. I don't think he even knows he's in a fish till he's spit out. The seaweed's wrapped around my head. I haven't had seaweed wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. So he's going deep and deep and deep. The earth beneath barred me in forever. He thinks he's going to die, right? He's like, I'm dead, but I'm still praying. I prayed, but this is the best, one of the best parts here. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. Oh, what a beautiful phrase. You, Lord, brought my life from the pit. The pit of like, there's no hope. You brought me out of that pit. Uh, this past week, I spoke at the 7th through ninth grade camp, and <clears throat> they sang songs every night before I spoke. And one of the songs, I think we sang it probably four, three or four out of the five nights when I was there. And this is the song. It's called Glorious Day. But listen to these words. I don't know if they took it from this verse that you brought my life from the pit, but just look at these words. Listen to them. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb till I met you. I was breathing but not alive. All my failures I tried to hide. It was my tomb till I met you. Now your mercy has saved my soul. Your freedom is all I know. The old made new. Jesus, when I met you. You called my name and I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness into your glorious day. Another verse. I needed rescue. My sin was heavy. I have a future. My eyes are open. You called my name. I ran out of the grave. Out of the darkness into your glorious day. This is what I picture that Jonah's like. You brought my life out from the pit. I was wrapped in seaweed. I was getting choked by the, the waters, the whatever's coming on my, around my body. I'm just getting suffocated as I'm going down and down into the deep. But you, Lord, called me up from that pit. You gave me life. And then verse 7, you have, When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. What I talked about earlier, right? When things are going bad, the darkest valley, who do we remember? God. When things go bad in the world, um, we're in the United States, but, so when things go bad in the United States, something happens, who do people turn to? The Lord. 
And Jonah, my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. And then you get to this verse. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. The word idols is something that takes you away from worshiping the true God. And those who cling to those turn away from God's love for them. Look what John writes in 1 John. Now, John writes this letter, and you're reading 1 John, and it's, like, it's a really good book. It's a really good letter, okay? I recommend reading it. But then it ends like this. You get to the end of the letter. I've never ended a letter like this. I probably never will, but this is how John ends his letter in 1 John. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. And Jonah here says, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. And then I went back to John, okay? And I was like, maybe this is why John ends with this verse. Because what is 1 John all about? God's love is a main Topic of 1 John. And he's calling people, don't forget about love. If you love one another, love is of God. You know, you're loving God, you love others. That's what you're supposed to do. And I think that's why, now I know, I believe why he ends with that. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Because what does idols do? They take you away from worshiping the true God. Loving the true God. And those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. Jonah writes that. And then verse 9, But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. So, and then he, What have I vowed? I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. He ends his prayer Salvation comes from the Lord. I will say that. That's what Jonah says. I'm going to make my vow good. I'm going to say that salvation only comes from you, God. And then you look back at the prayer. We just went through it. Okay? Is it a good prayer? Is it a good prayer? If we read this prayer and we, and we dissected it a little bit and just went by the words, we would say it's a good prayer, right? He called out to God. He's like, you helped me, Lord, in my distress. Even though these seaweed and engulfing waves are coming on me, you brought my life out from the pit. I'm going to say salvation belongs to you or comes from you. I'm going to say that. We would say it's a good prayer. But you know what's missing there? Does he mention anything about, I tried to run away from you, God. And I want to repent of that and say, I'm going to follow you now. Did he ever mention that in his prayer? No. That's one thing you would probably expect to find, right? If you read chapter 1 and you know that Jonah's thrown overboard because he's running away from God, and now he's praying from the fish's womb when we say that, wouldn't we expect something in there? God, I'm sorry, I was trying to run away from you, uh, trying to get to Tarshish, and that was not a good idea. 
I figured it out now. And I want to change my ways. I want to repent of that and follow you with my whole heart. Which is not a bad prayer that we read. But you just want that from Jonah. Where's that repentance of you don't want to go to Nineveh? And now you do want to go there. Which we'll see in chapter 3 is going to go there. But chapter 4 comes, there's more problems from this prophet. We're going to get there. No spoiler alert yet. But listen to this. The story so far, we see that the storm, everybody say the storm, the sailors, and the fish are all obedient to God. Chapter 3 we're going to get to takes up Jonah's obedience. But so far you have the storm, the sailors, and the fish are following God and what God wants them to do. Now today, I have three takeaways. They all start with, believe that. Okay? Number one, believe that the Lord is in control. I mean truly believe that. Don't like every other day say, I know you're in control, God. I want this to be in our minds whether it's a good time or a bad time, whether the chaos in the world kind of brings us down or the joys in the world bring us up, God is in control. And we need to believe that with all of our being. Number, one, number two, believe that the Lord hears our prayers. Did, Joan, or did Jonah's prayer get heard? Of course. Do you believe that your prayers and my prayers get heard? Or our prayers get heard? Do you believe that? Now, don't just go to pray in the bad times. That's when we usually go. When something bad is happening in our life or some decision needs to be made that might, you know, need to make a good decision, that's what we usually pray about. But let's pray even in good times. Because God hears our prayers at all times. Don't just go to God in the bad times. Believe that the Lord hears our prayers. Number three, if it'll come. There we go. Believe that salvation comes from the Lord. Jonah did. He said, I'm, what I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Those three things, believe that the Lord is in control, the Lord hears our prayers, and that salvation comes from the Lord. Those are probably top three things we need to believe in. Right? So let's believe in those with everything we got. And tell others, right? Let's go tell others that God's in control. There's a God in heaven who hears our prayers. And then salvation comes from the Lord. Paul Butler said this in his commentary of Jonah. Jonah now knew by experience that the help he needed could only come from the Lord. Psalm chapter 121 starts off like this, I will lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. 
Then the book of Romans talks about this. The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned. How many? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate His righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. You get this theme of believing in Jesus? Do you get this theme? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Do you think Jonah woke up? I believe so. Remember, he was sleeping in the boat. Now he's in the fish's womb for three days and three nights. You think he woke up? I think so. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and out and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, getting rid of all drunkenness and carousing, not in dissension or jealousy, but look at this, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Then you get to Hebrews, therefore, since we are surrounded by such great a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders this and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And one of my all-time favorite verses about Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, you are to give Him the name Jesus, for He will save His people from their sins. His name is going to be Jesus, because He will save His people from their sins. Salvation only comes from the Lord who sent Jesus, His Son, to this earth to live among us and to be obedient to go to the cross and die for us. And what do you have to do? What Jesus said and what Peter preached says repent and believe the good news. Then you repent of your sins. You turn from what? A path that leads to destruction. And you turn to a path that leads to life. And then you believe and say, Jesus, You are the Messiah. The Son of God. And then you confess that. And then you're baptized for the forgiveness of sins and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what you do. That's what Jonah is kind of foreseeing here, right? Salvation comes from the Lord. And remember, Jesus said, there's not going to be any sign but Jonah. 
who's three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. That's the only sign you're going to get. And just like that, the Son of Man is going to be in the grave. But what happens? Just like Jonah got out of the womb, out of the belly of the fish, new life, right? What was Jesus? He was buried in the tomb. The rolled stone was in front of Him and they said, let's guard it so they don't steal the body. But what happened? Jesus rose from the dead. And just like that, that's what baptism signifies, right? We go down into the water and we come up forgiven. New life. Holy Spirit comes on us. But it's only through the amazing love you see on that sign of Jesus going to the cross, being put in a tomb, and rising from the dead. Death, burial, resurrection. That's the only way salvation comes. And Jonah pictures that. And then you get that. The Lord commanded the fish and vomited Jonah on the dry land. Now Jonah's going to go. We'll see that next week. But if you need to make that decision, that's number one decision you can make in your life. Say, Jesus, you're the Messiah, the Son of God. Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then you can also be thinking, well, I don't have a church family. I need to join a church to grow in my faith, to encourage and be encouraged. So if you've been baptized into Christ and you want to join this church, you can do that today. And this week I went to the back and I pulled out the, uh, what is this called? The, the Constitution of the Church. And I looked at the membership and some people are like, well, what's membership? What, what do I have to do to be a member? I'll just read it from our Constitution. You can make a choice, okay? This is what it says. Membership shall consist of those people who have comp- complied with the following terms of pardon as recorded in the New Testament. Belief, repentance, Confession, immersion, and then continuing steadfastly in the doctrines of the apostles or God's word. So if you've done that, you comply with belief, repentance, confession, immersion, and you're continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, you can join the church. I just wanted to read that because it's if you're like, I don't know what membership, what do I have to do? That's it. You can join us. And then I'll be right here. If you need prayer, I'll be up here praying. But if you just want something to pray about, you can come up here and I'll say a short prayer with you. But those, there's space for that. Whatever the decision you need to make, don't go another day without making some sort of decision. Because we can always grow in our faith or even start our faith journey today. So come as we sing our last song and pray with me, please. God, thank You so much for today. God, salvation belongs to You. Thank You for Jesus and the shed blood that He shed for us. He was buried in a tomb and He's risen from the dead. He's alive. He gives new life for those who believe in Him. Thank you for today. Thank you for Jonah and the story of Jonah. It's no fairy tale and it's not just about a fish. So thank you for the lessons we're learning through this little book together. 
go with us as we leave this place. And let us believe that you're in control, believe that you answer prayers, and that believe that salvation only comes from you. And we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.